Genesis chapter 12. We've been talking about deception, and there's deception all through the Bible, and and God gives us tools to help us to try to avoid this deception. But one of the things that we need to make sure that we're doing is being free of deception ourselves, not purposefully deceiving those around us. And we find some people in the Bible who deceived. And it's very, very, very important that we do everything in our power to avoid deception. We were, before we begin, we were singing a song uh, tonight, Onward Christian Soldiers. And I was thinking, as I was thinking about that, I thought, we sang that song a lot downstairs in Miss Maryland's Junior Church. And um, here at this church, uh, I know those of you guys who have been around for a long time, you know Miss Marilyn and her ministry. But she taught Sunday school so faithfully for all the years that I can remember in Junior Church. And this morning I was talking about uh, John, John the Baptist and Jesus. And then we were talking from 1 Corinthians about how Paul watered a palace planted, but it was God who gives the increase. And, and I was even thinking about giving a testimony tonight. You said something you're thankful for. I'm thankful for, for all the people who planted, who watered, who, who stirred the soil, who did so many things in my life to help lead me to where I'm a, follow, a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ today. I'm eternally thankful for people like Miss Marilyn, who, who spent a lot of time doing that. Um, I was thinking that it might be a neat thing for Terry to do on a Sunday night where we, we just you know listed 10 people who played a part in us coming to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and then helping us grow. If I, if I had to make the list, I don't know if I could get 10 right off the bat, but... I would put my parents. Um, I would put my mother, who was so faithful and always taking us to church, always having Christian radio on, always making sure that we heard Bible verses, getting little, getting tapes of scripture songs and playing them when we were in the school. My dad, who just who talked to me and pointed me towards Christ, and pointed me in some of my darkest hours when I needed someone to talk to, he listened and he told me the truth, and he pointed me to Christ. I would put Pastor Baker in that list. I would put uh, Harold Cummings, a pastor who was up in the Cortland area for a long time, who I met one time, and and he began emailing me and just always pointed me back to Christ. And and Don Rice I would put on that list for the time that, that he spent. And I would put many, many others on that list who, who, who did so many things to encourage me. Uh, for peers who, at the same time, we, we got together and did Bible studies and, and prayed. And those things were important, too. And, and I'm just encouraged and blessed. I watch um, my son and his, his group of friends that he has chosen um, standing up and saying what's right in their faith and encouraging other Christians and, and talking about how they, there are people in the world that kind of frustrate them because of their stance on things. And and how important it is to live differently in, than the world. And, and it's important that we have people that plant, 
and who water. And I was just thinking that song, Onward Christian Soldiers, made me think that Miss Marilyn was one of those people that, that planted faithfully and stirred up the sto- soil faithfully for a long time and, and worked really, really hard to, to uh, grow us as Christians when we were kids, all of us kids down there in junior church. She's going to have many crowns that in heaven for the time that she served the Lord. And she's just going to throw them right back at the feet of Jesus. And, and it'll be worth it, right? When she sees all those young people that she affected for eternity with her faithful teaching. I can still picture those flannel graphs. That we, and sometimes, sometimes I stop and I think I'll read a story in the Bible. And I'll think to myself, I remember Miss Marilyn teaching us this story when we were like five and six. What was she doing teaching us this story? There are some stories in the Bible that I'm like, what? Anyway, so <laughs> I just remember the flannel graphs and, and, and her going, man, that's some adult material. That, you know, those Bible lessons weren't really rated PG. But anyways, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass that when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, This is, this is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will let you live. Please say, you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended, uh, commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, for here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. And as as I look at this, this passage of scripture, and I take a look at the life of Abram and what he he did and in his life uh, first thing that I, I think of and that I put down here is that uh, be careful how you portray yourself avoid deception you are a Christian an ambassador of Jesus Christ I didn't tell anyone in my Sunday school class what to say this morning but as we were having conversations for the first 35 minutes, 40 minutes of Sunday school class, the guys were talking 
about how they need how they need to portray themselves to the world, whether it be at a restaurant or a car wash or or just in their day to day lives. And they were basically talking. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I am Jesus to the world. And I need to make sure that my character backs that up. And so that was, I didn't tell those guys to say that. I didn't, but it's interesting that it fits tonight's topic. That when we go out there into the world, people are going to look at, look at Christians. Um, I, hope, I hope I'm okay in saying this, but there is someone near and dear to our family. That our family would love to know come Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And live as a Christian. And one of the things that this gentleman has said is, well, Christians are always just out there trying to cheat people and rip people off and get something for nothing. And, hmm. That tells me that some Christian, someone who has claimed the name of Christ has been maybe deceptive, has been underhanded in their dealings, and it left a bad taste in someone's mouth. And as I look at this passage of Scripture here, the, fir the first thing that I put down here is that Abraham was a young follower. Now, not an age, if you look in verse 4, it says Abram was 75 years old. He was nowhere near a young man. But at the same time, I don't feel that he was an old man for the time, too. Abram's journey, a lot of theologians believe, began thousands of years before Jesus Christ came. In a time that was closer to the flood. And, and as you read in this story, one of the things that... I like to point out to people is that this isn't too far from the flood. Probably at the time that this is happening, there are sons and grandsons of Noah that are still alive and are hundreds of years old. And the, the age of people is shrinking each generation. Could you imagine being somebody that, you know, your family's getting kind of old and you're up there, you're near 100 and you're thinking, man, that's old. But you, you say, hey. There's uh, Noah's kids. He's up in the ham is up in the mountains and he's 400 years. Up. That would have been so strange to think about. But that's what was going on at this time. And Abram was 75 years old and God has just come to him and said, Abram, I want you to go and I want you to follow me wherever I lead you. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And so God had come to Abraham and called Abraham, and Abraham said, I'll follow you. So that's why I say Abram, even though he's 75 years old, he was a young follower of God. He was new to this, but, but still, even as a young believer in God and a follower of God, he had a responsibility to the world. And each and every single one of us, even if we're a new follower of God, we've only been following the Lord for a couple years, or we've been following Him for 20, 30, 40 years, we have a responsibility. And just like every single one of us, just like every single one of us, 
Abraham had problems. In verse 10, it says, now there was famine in the land. And Abram had to go down to Egypt. He had troubles. He had problems, just like you're going to have problems. And you're going to have troubles. And sometimes in the midst of those troubles, you are tempted to compromise. And Abram, it says, went down to Egypt. And I understand uh, the symbolism that we have in the Bible. I don't dwell often on the symbolism in the Bible. I just like to, a lot of times I just like to get to the facts. But I think this one is to take note of. A lot of people say that in the Bible, when you look at two places, Egypt and Babylon. When you picture those places, picture the world system. Like when we, we say uh, the devil is the prince and power of the air. He is the God of this age. The picture of the world is Egypt. So in the midst of his trials, he's going into the world. And sometimes we're going to need to be in the world. And as Christians, we need to be in the world, but not be of it. Heaven is our home. Amen. We are not, I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a proud citizen of the United States. I wouldn't want to be a citizen of any other nation in this world. But when I stop and I think about, about it and think about all the stuff happening in the world in New York City and Albany and Washington in London, Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that heaven is my eternal home. I'm grateful where God put me, but this, is, this place is only temporary. And one of the things that can remind me of that is that I live in Binghamton, New York, and cold weather and furnaces breaking down and cars not starting because it's so cold and this world's temporary, right? We're headed home, and heaven is soon here. The next thing that we add, and I put this as we looked at this at deception. As I look in verse 11, it says, And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, they said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. So the next thing I put up there is, Sarai was a beautiful woman. And one of the things that lead men to deception is a beautiful woman. And that could cause a lot of problems. It, some of you guys I know were at More Than Conquerors on Thursday night. And we read the story because we're talking about comparative religions. And we're reading the story of Anton LaVey, a person who is a who is a dedicated Satanist. And his story said that he got so upset with Christianity because he would go to a tent, he would go to the carnival. And on Saturday night, he'd see all the men out and chasing after these women and lusting over them and chasing them around on Friday night in their drunken stupor. And then on Sunday morning, 
they'd be at the revival meeting on the other side of the carnival, the same place they were acting out the night before. And the evangelist, the speaker, would get up and he'd preach the word of God and they'd come forward and they'd be sitting there with their wife and their children and they'd ask for forgiveness, only to go back out and do the same routine next Saturday and Sunday. And that bothered him so much that he began to hate Christianity. And I think it's very important that we understand that that men can be led to deception because of the love or, or the lust of a beautiful woman. In verse 12, it says, Then it ha- will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me and let you live. Next thing I look there, he was afraid of Pharaoh and not the Lord. Hmm. That's really interesting. So when he, he says, he says, Sarah, when they you go up in there, people are going to look at you and they're going to say, see that you're beautiful and they're going to kill me. And they're going to take you. And so as he's, he, sa- he says here, he acknowledges that he's afraid of Pharaoh, <coughs> not the Lord. As we think about lying and we think about being deceitful, what are we afraid of? Are we more afraid of, like if we go to lie on our taxes, are we more afraid of the tax man or the Lord? If we go to lie and cheat on a bill, are we more afraid of our wallet or are we more afraid of the Lord? And the Bible says that we need to have fear of the Lord, a proper respect for the Lord. And I think if we, if we lie, if we use deception. We show who we're more afraid of. And so he says, all right, Sarah, in verse 13, when we go in, tell them, you're my sister. Lie to them. That way they'll let me live and we'll get out of here and everything will be okay. Just just lie to them. It wasn't a compromise. No, it was a lie. Let's call it what it was. And I think that that, that's something that we need to make sure that we do in our lives. We need to call sin, sin. And I think it's very important that we understand it. As a matter of fact, as we keep going on, in verse 16, it says that Pharaoh began to bless Abram. I mean, he probably thought he was getting away with this. In verse 16, it says that his, his lie got him wealth. But I don't care who you who you are or where you're from. If your wealth comes from the wrong place, it's not right. It's not worth it to become rich in this world, but to lose the respect of someone else in the next. It's not right to to steal and to lie in order to. Gain in, in this world. It's not worth it. And this, I know that when I was a kid, one of the biggest things that, that I can remember um, doing as a child and the sin that still still bothers me and is lying, is being deceptive. And I know that in the heart, in my heart, if Satan wants to try to 
try to attack me. That's the case. I believe my mom reminded me all the time that when I was a kid, I I uh, came home and I told her, Mom, they're they're gonna build a swimming pool at school, and I don't I don't I don't even remember saying that. I don't know why, but she reminded me that that I would come home and I'd tell her some wild stories. Well, eventually I knew that I probably should stop telling her the wild stories because she would remind me of those wild stories and when I got caught in a lie for the rest of my life. And so that was her method of teaching me not to lie. But but we have we have from a child. Kids know how to lie. And there are so many times. I mean, listen listening to students, I, I see them lie and lie and lie. And probably as a kid, you can remember telling some tall tales. I can remember uh, there being a time where I wanted to be cool as I rode the bus. And I didn't want want children, I want, want the other kids on the bus to know that I went to the Christian school. This is something that, that bothers me. Because today in my life, I say, I think of that verse over and over again. Deny me before men. And I will deny you before my father. I think about that all the time. It's made me change the way I, the things I say today. I'm proud to be a Christian. I want to tell people that I'm a Christian. And I want to let the the news get out there that I'm a Christian. And I don't want to hide that fact. But I can remember when I was 12, 13 years old and I was going to Christian school. And I didn't want the other kids on the bus to know that. I'd say, oh, I go to private school. And I didn't want to use the word Christian. I was being deceptive. Now, maybe I wasn't. I could probably go home and tell my mom I wasn't lying. But I've been, I I still, when I think about, whenever I read that verse, I think about a time where I was denying Christ before men. And I think I've got lots of denying Christ from when I was on the bus as a kid to make up for and I say, God, I never want to deny you again. I want the world. So that's why I love that song. I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. I don't want to hide behind anything. It's not worth it to try and get a friend. Because now as I look at that, those would have been the wrong types of friends to make. Another thing. Abram got caught. In the book of Numbers, it says, be sure your sins will find you out. Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sins will find you out. And Abraham's, Abram's sin was found out. It began to cause problems for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh figured it out. That there was a problem there. And Pharaoh approached Abram and he said, hey, what are you doing? Why are you lying to me? Don't you see the problems that this could have caused? I could have made you, made her my wife. And God would have, would have caused even more problems for me. I really believe that this story is bigger than just the deception. I believe that as soon as God made this statement to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, 
and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I believe that that is one of those statements that's called a proto-evangelic. In other words, it's a, it's a taste, a seed of the coming of the Messiah, the Christ. Just like Genesis chapter 3, where God is uh, telling Adam and Eve uh, that the serpent's head will be crushed by the seed of the woman. And in this passage of scripture, as soon as God calls Abram and sets the wheels in motion that would be bringing the Christ child. It's very, very interesting that then the severe famine happened. And then Abram ended up in Egypt. I kind of see the devil working to try and get in to destroy God's plan. Because there was going to be a child that was going to come through Abraham and Sarah. And that would lead to the Christ child. And I think the devil pointed these guys down to, to Egypt. That the famine, he had something to do with it. I wonder when we get to heaven if it will be a Job type of moment. Where Satan says, hey, what if you let me go in there and attack Abraham right at the beginning? I find it interesting that something very similar to this happens just a year before Abraham's son is born. And something very, very similar happens. And in the temptation to compromise, Abraham compromised. He lied. He brought deception. And in the end, our relationship was lost. In verse 20, it says, So Abraham commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife, in all that he had. Do you want your neighbor to come to Christ? One of the first things you should start doing is being honest with him. Do you want your co-worker to come to Christ? One of the first things that you should do is you should have a, be a worker of integrity. Now notice I said one of the first things that you should do. Don't just think that you being a good person at work and you being a good neighbor is going to be what brings them to Christ. You you have to tell them about Jesus. You have to speak the name of Jesus Christ. Then you have to have integrity. You have to be honest. You have to be truthful. It's very, very, very important that we do that. You want your family member to come to Christ? You've got to do things that are right. You've got to be honest. You've got to be upright. And as we look at this, we don't want these relationships broken because of compromise, because of deception, because we're doing things that are wrong. We've got to be different. Because we love Christ. I, I wonder. What would have happened in this story. If Abraham. Had gone down into Egypt. And he had right from the beginning said Pharaoh. This is my sister. 
sure God would have taken care of it. I know that part. God would have taken care of it. The Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Even if he was persecuted for like he thought he would be, God would have worked it out. Who knows what could have happened? Things could have been a lot different. But he sinned. Let me tell you right from, from the start. This wasn't a mistake. wasn't a compromise. It was a sin. And it was wrong. And Abraham shouldn't have done that. God still took him and God still used him. God worked on him and you can see him growing through it. The more time he spends with God, the, the, the more his life has changed. Make sure that you portray yourself well to the world. That you avoid sin, you avoid deception. We've talked about the Gibeonites, we've talked about Jeremiah and Hananiah, we've talked about uh, lots and lots of deceptive people in the, in the Word of God. But let's get right down to it. This passage of Scripture says, don't be the deceiver. Be a person of integrity. Don't be like Abraham in this story. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you might help us to be honest, whether it be at work, in our home, whether it be about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Help us to speak the truth. Help us to speak for you. I thank you. I praise you. That you used Abraham in spite of his deception. That you worked things out and you took care of the situation. Lord, I I just would like to think about what could have happened if he would have been honest right from the beginning. And Lord, I pray that you might help us To be truthful. Speak words that are right. Lord, if we want to witness, we need to have integrity. We need to be different because Christ has made us different. Be with us tonight. Help us as we leave this place to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.